the last two weeks, we've been talking about Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the presence of God that dwells within us that is power. It's the ability for things to be accomplished. By his spirit, things happen. Amen? Amen. So we're going to keep going. There's a second piece to authority that we can't separate out, and it's authority. There's a separate piece to power. I think I said that wrong. There's a second piece to power that we can't separate out, and it's authority. Authority is key for us, and we're going to unpack it today. But as a quick disclaimer, the world's version of authority is so different than the Lord's. So very different. And so we have to press past what we've seen and experienced about authority to understand God's version. And right now we're sitting in, a, in an era called postmodernism that was a reaction out of World War II and the abuses of power. And an undercurrent in postmodernism is a rejection of authority. So this has woven its way into society. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to say. I want to be my own boss. I want to be in charge of me. Everything is relative. It's individualism. We've gone so far down this, and this has seeped its way into the church. No one can tell me what to do. God can't tell me how to live my life. I'm a child of God. I get to do what I want, right? We carry kind of this little bit of sting because of the abuses of authority, but God's authority is not that way. It's very different. And just because there's a counterfeit to something doesn't mean we reject the authentic. God has spoken and released his authentic authority to us. And that's what we're going to understand today. Cool? All right. So Jesus thought it was essential to pass out power and authority. In Luke 9, 1, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples and he says, I send you out with power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. No simple task, right? Over all demons and to cure diseases. It's just a casual Saturday with Jesus getting things done, right? But he gives us power and authority. So we've understood this power element. It's the ability. But authority is different. Let's define it as we get going. Authority is delegated influence. It's delegated influence. It's the permission with a certain list of tasks. The best picture I can think of to describe the, the differences between power and authority, but the need for them both is a car, a driver, and a driver's license. We are the drivers. Hi, drivers. We're going to have fun today. Oh, I got a wave. Thanks. Support. We are drivers, and the car is power. It's the ability to get you from point A to point B. The driver's license is authority. It's the permission you have to operate a vehicle. And you need both. I'm very thankful that everyone who's driving on the road has a driver's license or should. They've taken a test. They understand the rules of the road. They've been given permission to operate a vehicle. Gives us a little peace of mind, right? Because if you have a car and no driver's license, you're dangerous. That's not a good idea. The same is true in the kingdom. If you have all the power and no authority, no permission, you're dangerous. That's scary. That's where 
trauma and harm happens. Now the opposite has its own set of challenges. If you have a driver's license, all the authority and permission, but no car, what good is it? It's kind of pointless, right? And then there's a third layer to this. You can have a car and a driver's license, but drivers, you have to decide to put that driver's license in your pocket, get in your car, turn it on, and press the gas pedal and go. We have to decide to engage with these two things that we are given. Jesus sent us out with power and authority because they're essential to go together. Is that making sense? Awesome. So we're going to dig in a little bit about this idea of authority because it isn't boundless. Authority has a lane. Think about your driver's license. Yes, it's permission, but it's not permission to do whatever you want. Your driver's license is for a specific type of vehicle in a specific nation, and even using it, you still have to follow the rules of the road. You can't just get in there and be like, well, I've got a driver's license. I can go 10,000 miles down the freeway. You have to sit within the parameters of the authority that's been given. Let me tell you a story about 16-year-old Haley who didn't like parameters. I am the youngest of five children. So I watched all my siblings get their driver's license and get the freedom. And I sat at home just waiting for the moment that I would get to drive off on my own and be free, stop bumming rides off people, stop walking home from school. I was so excited. So I'm 16. I got the first appointment at the DMV. I'm like banging down that door. Like I get my driver's license today. Take my test, get my driver's license. But there's a thing that happens, a thing you must do after you get your driver's license. And it is to not drive people for a certain length of time. I think when I did it, it was like six months. Someone said it was a year now. That's a long time to have that authority restricted. So of course I didn't, right? I just threw friends in my car. I lived like a mile from my school and we got to leave for lunch. So lunch is so much more fun with friends. So I'd throw friends in my car, drive to my house. We'd have lunch. It was great. We'd jump in the pool if it was hot enough, have a good lunch, get back to school. Everything was good and rosy until one day. I have a friend in my car. I come around the corner. We live on a cul-de-sac. Come around the corner, and I see my house, and I see my father's car in the driveway. I knew I was busted at this point because I knew I had stepped outside of the authority I had been given, and I could get in big trouble for driving my friend. So what do I do? Pump the the brakes, throw my car in reverse, and I back up super fast, frantic, so frantic. I don't think I've ever been more panicked in my life. Back up into my neighbor's yard, over their planter, and into a bush. Not great. Not great when you're trying to be discreet and get out of the neighborhood without your father noticing. So I throw my car into first gear, little red Tacoma, reliable red. We loved this truck. Threw him into first gear and speed off with a, because I had to get out of the planter. So I got to rev the engine a little bit, get around the corner and drive away. We have a picture of the bush that still grows a little bit crooked to this day. Sorry, bush. 
That one was my bad. I was home yesterday. My sister graduated from college. We were celebrating her. So I took a picture of that poor bush that still is a little tilted. So I stepped outside of, this is a silly story, but I stepped outside of the parameters I had been given and it put me at risk. The same is true for the kingdom of God. We're given authority, but it sits in the parameters of the mission of God. So your first point today, it is normal for authority to have a mission. It is normal for authority to have a mission. But if we're going to understand the mission, we have to understand who it's coming from. If the Bible defines authority as delegated influence, someone's passing this stuff out. So Romans 13, 1, I'm going to paraphrase a few verses because they're super complex. But the main concept is that God is the ultimate authority. He has all authority. Romans 13, 1 tells us this. He is the carrier of it. But what is so beautiful about the Lord is he has the ability. He can do whatever he wants to do. But what he will do is draw in that authority to move in alignment with his character, his nature, and his plans for the world. He's not restricted, but he chooses to dial it in and say, this is how I'm going to use authority. I'm not just going to buck and run and do whatever I want on a whim. That's why his authority is so safe. The world may have abused authority and used those positions for power and personal gain, but the Lord's not going to do that. He draws it in. It's in accordance to his character, so his authority is safe. We don't have to be afraid of him, that he's all-powerful, which is pretty special. Like, just sit on that this week. If you have time, your quiet time, just meditate on that. He's all-powerful and what that means. It's so beautiful. He's pretty great. So God draws it in. He pulls in his authority, and he says, I'm going to move in step this way. And a big part of his plan for the world was through Jesus. So what does he do? He delegates authority to Christ. In Ephesians 1.21, it says that Christ is placed above all realms of authority. Again, Jesus now has access to the full scope of possibility, permission. But what does Jesus do? He draws it in and he says, I'm only going to do what I see the Father do. I'm only going to do what I see the Father do. In John 5, 19, Jesus is answering his disciples, and he says, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. Nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. So Jesus, carrier of all authority, says, Sweet, I can but what I will do is draw it in and stay focused on what the Father has planned. Holy Spirit does the same thing. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. That not on his own is the word authority. He's not going to do anything on his own authority. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Both Jesus and Holy Spirit have the ability to do whatever they want to do. But what they will do is draw it in 
they're going to draw it in because they know that the authority that they've been given, it's permission for a mission. It's not to just go and do whatever you want to do, right? I didn't get the driver's license and now I can drive friends, broke the rules a little bit. They know why they're given authority. So we've been talking about mission, right? If authority is permission for a mission, we need to understand the mission to be able to then operate in the mission together. Does that make sense? So mission of God is super big and beautiful, but a few ways that Christ used his authority that we can take a lesson from. These are notes in the app for all my note takers. You can drop in there. It is to teach the kingdom of God. Jesus used his authority to teach about the kingdom. He used it to preach the gospel, to set people free from demons, to forgive sins, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to conquer the enemy, just to name a few. That's quite a list. He uses his authority to establish kingdom norms in the earth. He operates, he brings in all this permission that he has, and he's like, this is what it's for. It's permission for a mission. There's one more that I didn't mention on the list. Jesus uses his authority to commission us. He says, I've been given all authority, and what am I going to do with it? Pass it to you so you can keep going. Let's read a couple verses here. John 20, 21, Jesus is saying, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. It's kind of a tall order. Sit on that for a second. As the Father sent Jesus, we are being sent. So that list we just went over, preach the gospel, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. That's our list. The authority that we've been given is to accomplish this mission. We have power, what we've been talking about, the ability, but we have been given the permission to do it as well. We have the rights to accomplish this task, but it gets better. I love Jesus for this. In John 14, 12, he says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in Christ, will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So that list is just the beginning. It's just the start. That list might seem really far away right now. But I'm telling you, that's normal. That's the normal life. That's the baseline. And then we get to go so far beyond it. Jesus has passed his authority to us, and he is calling us into the expanse of possibility to see the kingdom of God established here on earth, to bring heaven in. But it isn't just because. It isn't just because. There's such a purpose behind it. And Matthew 28, 18 through 20 gives us a look into this. Jesus is saying, and he, he's talking to his disciples again, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If we didn't get it until this point, he's just like, by the way, guys, I've got all the authority. Therefore, because I have the permission to do this, you go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And 
teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the mission. This is the why. We are called. We are brought in. We are given authority. It's permission for a mission to show the world the kingdom of God. And how do we do it? We move from positions of authority in power to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. It is through these miraculous things. Raising the dead, that's a miracle. Doesn't happen every day. Healing the sick, that's a miracle. We are carriers of these things. And it's normal. It's normal to be standing in line at the grocery store and see the person in front of you on crutches and say, hey, can I pray for you? Lay hands, pray in the name of Jesus, declare healing, boom, healed. It's normal to be dropping your kids off at school and run into another parent or a teacher, start telling them about Jesus, lead them to the Lord, see them get saved. That's normal. It's normal to be sitting in class and start prophesying over your classmate, telling them who they are in Christ, watching them just get wrecked by the presence of God. That's normal. Jesus has released authority to us so that we can perform and do these things. It's normal. We operate in this to invite people into encounter. That's the why. It's why we've been given authority. Sit on that for a second. Isn't that kind of heavy? This is a big call. It's not like, oh, it's just so great. Like we learned about signs and wonders at church. This is the call that we live in. Lives, eternities are on the line. If we don't step into this, what happens? There's a lot at risk. And as we pick it up and we say yes to this, lives change. I'm sure we can all picture right now that person that we just love so much that needs truth. Their life can change through you saying yes. You can drop home on Thanksgiving and start preaching to your family. This is what I've been learning at church. Hit them with truth, guys. You're carrying this. You have the permission to live in it. So I think we're grasping what authority is for. It's for the mission of God. It's permission for a mission. It's to perform signs, wonders, and miracles. People are going to awe and wonder. You don't watch someone get healed and then be like, yeah, that's fake. Right? You encounter power and you're like, yeah, that just changed my whole frame of reference. And now I got to rework some stuff. That's what we're carrying to the world. But the beautiful piece about how God drops authority to us is also the key that we need to maintain authority. It's normal for authority to flow through sonship. So in the Bible, there's genealogies. Blank, begot blank, begot blank, begot blank, begot blank, begot blank. Goes on and on. They're not just space fillers. They're not just there to be like, yeah, they're multiplying. It's great. They're there because they're communicating the lineage because so much flows through lineage. Blessing does, 
prophecies and authority does. Think of a king. A king has a son, and what does the king's son do? Inherit the kingdom. One day he will rule. This is why it was so important that Jesus was the son of God. Because authority flows through this. We see this at his baptism. Such a special moment. It's one of those things that I was like, I wish I was there to witness this moment. So Jesus comes to his, his cousin, John, and says, hey, baptize me. They have their little moment and ends up getting baptized. Jesus, under the water, comes up, and it says that the Spirit of God came down in the form of a dove and rested on Jesus. First of all, that's just cool. Holy Spirit showing up, flapping his wings, comes down and rests on Jesus power, right? The presence of God is power. It's ability. Jesus was just given ability. He already carried it because he had all, all authority, but now he's just got that extra, that extra little jolt. And then what happens? The clouds part and a voice from heaven, hello, the father speaks and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Sonship. There's an affirmation that this is the line, this is the lineage, which as we just learned, means that authority can flow. Permission, because sons carry the same rights that their fathers carried. So Jesus, in this moment, power, Holy Spirit, authority, sonship, collide together, and he is sent out and begins his earthly ministry. In three years, totally transforms the world. What a great three years power and authority coming together. It's essential. So the sonship piece is also why it's important for us to become sons and daughters. It isn't just this cool thing of like, oh, I get to be a child of God. It's on purpose. Because if authority is flowing through sonship, what do we need to do to access this authority? Step into sonship. This is what we do. It says in John 1, 12, but all who receive him, who are we talking about? Jesus. All who receive him, it's the, it's the church answer. Children, church, children's church taught me that the answer is always Jesus. But all who receive Jesus, who believe in Jesus' name, he gave power, it's that word authority. He gave them authority, permission, to become children of God. This verse is telling us as we receive Jesus, we are given the permission as sons and daughters to live as Jesus lived. How special is that? I don't know any other religion, any other God that invites you into family. That's not a thing. This is so special. God is so Beautiful. He's a beautiful father, and he calls us in to be sons and daughters. But here's a problem that we often run into. So we're given authority. We become sons and daughters. We step under this flow of authority. We step into the lineage of God. Authority is delegated to us, but sometimes what we can do is then delegate that authority back out. Sometimes we do it 
for good things, right? I stepped under the authority of the movement 12, 13, some sort of years ago, and I became discipled here in this place. I'm standing here today because of this house, because I stepped under its authority. This was a beautiful submission that I operated in. But sometimes, the, probably the most common thing that we give our authority over to is a lie. And it's so subtle, but we give it over and then we just watch our identity unravel. We watch our authority unravel. We watch the power that we're supposed to walk in unravel. Let me tell you a quick story. We were doing outreach in Oceanside, having this beautiful moment with this group of young people talking about the Lord and identity and their purpose, and it's just absolutely amazing. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this man approaching. He looks homeless, and he's cackling at us. And I'm like, here we go. This is going to be fun. So I'm like, just ignore it, right? The power of ignore. I'm just going to focus in. But he starts circling us, and he's just mocking, cackling. I'm like, okay, we're dealing with some demonic things happening right now. I'm getting frustrated, and I hear the Lord say, address it. So I'm like, I make eyes with a team member. I'm like, you stay right here. You handle this. I turn around and I address the man. I look in his eye and I say, sir, what is your name? And he looks at me and kind of snarls. And I'm like, if I had any question of what we were dealing with, it's being affirmed. This is not the spirit of the Lord. I look at him again and I say, sir, what is your name? And he pulls his head back. And in a nasty voice, he says, ugly. And again, I'm like, if I had any question of what I was dealing with, it was just affirmed. Guys, demons are real. So I turn around and I'm like, all right, if we're going to do this, I need some friends. So I turn back and I grab a couple of the team who was on outreach and we turn around and I look him back in the eye and I'm like, okay, Haley, you've got this, like you've got authority, you've got your daughter, you know who you are, you've got power, like Get it together, girl. And I look at him and I say, in the name of Jesus, demon named ugly, be quiet. I want to talk to the man. What is your name? And tears begin to break through. And he says, my name is Dylan. And he just starts unraveling. And so we're like, tell us your story. Like, we're in it. We're ministering. We just stepped into this moment. And he begins to tell us that at the age of five, his mom remarried and his stepfather called him ugly. He was abusive his entire childhood. All he did was call him ugly. He was like, over time, I just believed it. I took it on. I said, this is who I am. And at the age of 15, he dropped out of high school, became homeless. And for 20 years, he had identified as ugly. And he's crying and he's telling us his story. And he's like, for 20 years, I haven't heard someone call me my name. Heartbreaking. One lie unraveled this man's life. The moment turned beautiful. Demon, bye-bye. We got rid of that guy. One of the girls in the group led him to the Lord. He gets saved. He starts getting hope and identity and a future. And he's like, all right. I've got a future. We're looking up, we're pulling out our phones and pulling out resources and getting him phone numbers of like, start your life. We gave him everything we could possibly give him in that moment. 
to turn his life around. He just got set free. So this story is an extreme example of what happens so subtly in our lives. One lie creeps in. We give ourselves over to it. It has permission and it messes with our sonship, messes with our identity, and it pulls us out of the flow of authority and power that we have when we live in the line of sons and daughters. It pulls us out and then we think, I don't have power. It's like giving your driver's license to the enemy and he sits there and he scribbles out the name, he changes the photo and he hands it back to you and you look at it and you go, that's not me. I can't drive the car. How often have we handed the enemy our driver's license and let him mess with our identities, mess with the authority that we've been given as sons and daughters to perform signs, wonders, and miracles? How often have we done this? And it's so subtle. One that I believed for a really long time was that my prayers weren't gonna work. And I sat in that. So what did I not do? Pray. I saw someone who was sick and right, your mind's like, ooh, God can, I can't. My prayers don't work. It held me back. I couldn't walk in the fullness of the permission that I had been given, that delegated influence because of that lie. Do you have a lie that you're believing that is holding you back? What is it? We're gonna take a minute and minister to this. But I wanna tell you, the enemy, he has power. That's just a fact. But he does not have authority. Jesus took that back at the cross. Crucified, resurrected, Jesus took back authority. And what did he do? He handed it to you. To you, to you, to you, to you, to you, to all of our family with our online campus. He handed authority to you. Don't give out that authority. Don't give it back to the enemy. Jesus worked hard to take that back. He put a lot on the line, his life on the line. Don't give it up. So what are we gonna do today? We're gonna take back our spiritual driver's license. We're getting our picture put back on it. We're getting our names so that we can move in power. So what I'm gonna have you do is just close your eyes. You may already know the lie that you're believing. If you don't, you can ask Father God, What is the lie that is holding me back? And don't be afraid to ask this question out loud. I think there's something so powerful when we engage God out loud. It's pretty cool. Ask him, Father God, what is the lie? Together, family, we're going to declare this. We're actually going to do this one out loud together. So we're, we're confident we're all together. We're going to ask, Father God, what is the truth that will replace this lie? Let's ask. Father God, come on with me. Father God, what is the truth that will replace this lie? Hear it. You hear his voice. Maybe that was your lie. I don't hear God. 
I'm going to tell you, you do. Maybe your lie was my lie. Your prayers don't work. Maybe your lie was like Dylan, that you're ugly, you're worthless. What is the truth that God is speaking? And as you begin to hear your, that truth that God is telling you, speak it out loud. I receive the truth that, fill it in. Come on, say it loud enough so the person you came with can hear it, at least that loud. I agree with this truth. I agree with the truth that my prayers change things. What is the truth that God is speaking to you today? I believe some of you are hearing the truth that your life matters. You've been considering some dangerous things. There's someone in here, maybe you're with our online campus, that your life isn't worth living. That's a lie. You know what the truth is? You're a cherished child of God. You're precious to him. some of you are hearing the truth right now that God is for you you're not alone in this journey you're not alone in this life right now that God is speaking the truth to your hearts that you are able to lead your families you are not frauds that your sons with a perfect father who is showing you how what is the truth God is speaking to you. Let's say them out loud again. I think there's something so powerful. I believe the truth that, come on, say them. Fill it in. What is that truth? What is that special truth that God has spoken to you today? Family, will you stand with me? Father God, right now, I ask your presence to fall more, more than it already is. Your love to collide with these lies, to shatter them. We're taking back our spiritual driver's license right now. We're saying yes to the authority that you've given and we're not gonna give it to the wrong things. We're putting that driver's license in our pocket and that's where it's gonna stay because we know we are created. We are sons and daughters of a good daddy that we can call on, that we can lean into. 
to minister to the world. We say yes to this normal lifestyle where healing happens, where miracles pour through, where lives are saved and transformed. This is our yes this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence, your power dwelling within us. Thank you, Father, for calling us sons and daughters who have permission to step into this beautiful mission. We're excited. Thank you for the freedom that dropped in today. The total freedom. And I believe that God wants to bless us today with courage and with boldness. If you need that today, will you put one hand on your heart and one hand on your head? I promise I have a purpose for this. If you need courage and boldness, I'm a firm believer that we lay hands on ourselves and we pray. So we're gonna speak to our heart right now. Heart, you carry courage. Heart, you are connected to the heart of God. Heart, you can move courageously to reach the world. And with your hand on your head, mind, you carry boldness. carrying the thoughts of Christ. Mind, you can't talk me out of living this life. Yes, Father, and right now I speak a collision of this mind and heart, boldness and courage, that we are sent ones. We have been brought in close as sons and daughters to be sent out with power and authority. We say yes to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.